Greetings and salutations. This is the Untitled JoshCast, episode number 30. My name is Josh Kirschman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Josh, Josh Hammond. Hello. Hello. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss what's been going on in our lives and try to have a little bit of fun while doing it. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. You can also catch us weekly at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast, where we stream at least once a week, usually Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. By following us there, you'll be notified whenever we go live. And as I mentioned, following us on Twitter and Instagram is also the best place for scheduling updates. If you like what you hear and would like to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. Well, Josh, here we are, another 10 episodes later. It's time for another kind of life check-in episode. This one is ominously timed as, well, I don't want, let's not say ominous. Let's not get off to a bad start already. It just so happens that there's like kind of a big deal election happening in two days, three days. We're recording us on Saturday. It's going to go up on Sunday. So two days from the day that this goes out. (sighs) It's very on brand for you that the big deal thing that was happening today was not Halloween. No, certainly not. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the election stuff later, but actually before we even, all right, before we talk about anything, let's take a moment to reflect in the legendary awesomeness that is Sean Connery, who we found out did die today at the age of 90, at the ripe old age of 90, maybe all live to be 90 and be as cool as Sean Connery. I mean... He was pretty cool. One of my favorite Sean Connery stories is the Sean Connery, Lana Turner, Johnny Stompanino story, where basically this mobster got jealous who was dating Lana Turner at the time of Sean Connery while they were, you know, shooting together. And he came to the set, pulled a gun on Sean Connery. And Sean Connery being Sean Connery, Sean Connery knocked him the fuck out. Yeah, that sounds like, about right. It's the most Sean Connery story you can possibly read about. He was, uh, I mean, certainly quite, quite the str- cut, quite a striking figure. Um, just kind of an amazing. He had kind of like retired a little bit from acting. Uh, I think did you ever watch that movie Finding Forrester, where he was like yes. this reclusive author? That was one of the last things that he did. I actually like that movie a lot. Me too. Um, it definitely that was like how to how do quarantine before that was a thing because he was very much a solitary figure in that movie. But that was that was that was really good. I feel like he was also quarantined in the last, and by last I mean the last Indiana Jones that mattered, um, Indiana Jones film where like he came back and it was like, Dad, stop being a curmudgeon old man, like. Let's go do the adventures. I mean, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's really I good. I mean, it's it is my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Temple of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry, Temple of Doom. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a close second. But there is like I think they had to figure out that series a bit. Um, yeah, you know, I, you had the the Avengers of movie making in, in that in Spielberg and what's his face? George Lucas and Harrison Ford. They had to get, they had to like, it took them three movies to like really get it right. And Last Crusade is just fantastic. I think Last Crusade was the best of the three for sure. Well, Sean Connery will certainly be missed. I would love to, um, we had talked about this a while back about doing James Bond movies as part of content for the podcast. Uh, so there's certainly no time, no time like the present to do some of that. We'll figure that out. They're not really streaming anywhere, at least the, Sean Connery ones. Um, they're available online with ads and they're available elsewhere, but we'll figure it out. We definitely will have to do some Sean Connery appreciation. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Indiana Jones movies are on Netflix, though, so we can definitely watch those. I am I'll watch those anytime. down to watch some Indiana Jones. All right. 
Moving on. Josh, how in the hell is AJ Hinch employed? <laughs> like, you saw that they hired him like four minutes after. Four minutes after the World Series ended. Okay, yeah. let me, let's take a step back. For those of you listening that are not sports fans, or at the very least not baseball fans, AJ Hinch, who should be in prison. I said it. Baseball prison. He should be Pete Rose right now. I'll give you that much. Worse than Pete Rose. Uh, He was the manager of the Houston Astros who cheated his way to the World Series title in 2017. If you can believe it, it was this calendar year that he he was uh, suspended for the entire 2020 season. And four minutes after the world after the World Series ended last week, he uh, gets a job with the Detroit Tigers. I mean, it comes down to the simple, you know, old adage that I think Plato said, which is shit floats to the top. Like Plato didn't say that. But <laughs> oh, no, um, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure Plato said that it's in. Um, what's the uh, what's Plato's book? What's the thing? I can't remember what it's called. Plato wrote like famous book. Um, I would uh, if, if one of our intrepid producers wouldn't mind looking that up. Are you thinking of Republic? I am. In Plato's Republic, that was Rylan. Plato's Republic, it says, quote, shit rises to the top. That's in there, Josh. It's a fact. It does. And what Plato meant by that was bad people get rewarded for doing bad things. Yeah, he fa- he, he uh, uh, the, the mediocre white men failing upwards. I think that's yes. the appropriate analogy here. It is true of all cases except Pete Rose. Sure is. I, I mean, look, I, if I, I, if I was a Tigers fan, like a diehard Tigers fan, uh, I certainly would not be very happy. Um, but I'm not a Tigers fan, so I don't really care that much. I just like, I was just like, can you just like, wait, can you not, can you not do it four minutes after the world series is over? Also, how do you, or how are you still in baseball right now? I don't understand. I think that. Tigers fans are probably just happy that they're not White Sox fans. So that's a perfect segue into my next question. How do you feel about Tony La Russa coming out of retirement? semi whatever. He hadn't coached in like 10 years. How do you feel about Tony La Russa coming out to manage the White Sox? I mean, I don't know. Are we all comfortable with him at his age being around people because of coronavirus? Like, I don't think it's okay. Like, it's a horrible hire. I'm not saying that he is a bad manager. He's not. He's achieved a lot. He was a good manager in St. Louis, but like, you know, baseball adapts. Is he going to understand the shift? I mean, that's probably pretty demeaning. I didn't mean for that to be, but like, as we're trying to make the sport more cool, hiring somebody from the Eisenhower era is probably not a good way to do that. Nice, nice pull. Yeah, that's I think that's a great question. But your point about understanding the modern game of baseball, I think, is still relevant. I think Tony La Russa would probably be like, uh, who's this young whippersnapper criticizing me and my, me and my World Series rings over here? Yeah, and, I'm gonna be, I, and I would point. be like, what is it like to have coached Honus Wagner? Like, <laughs> Fair. It's a fair response. Um, but he he's in like in his late 70s. And is going to have to coach guys in their early 20s. So even if, you know, there was a cat, even if he's, you know, even if he had just, even if he was still in the game, that f- a 50 year age gap is still not nothing. You know what I mean? Did you say early 70s? I think it's late 70s. He's like 77, yeah, 78. 76. He was born in 1944. Wow. That, that like number doesn't even seem real to me. Like I was, um, I have to segue out of baseball. One of the things I have been doing actually for the last month has been rewatching the West Wing. And I was thinking a lot about John Spencer uh, plays Leo McGarry in the West Wing. And uh, I was reading his obituary from the New York Times from 2005. Yeah. And it said he was born in 1946. I was like, wow, 46. Didn't seem real. That's crazy. It's absolutely um, crazy. 
a list of things that were invented after Tony LaRusa Tupperware. <laughs> we'll just okay. leave it at Tupperware. Moving on. Actually, I do want to talk about the West Wing. So I'm almost done. I have like four and a half episodes left in the entire series. So it's taken me about a month to watch the all seven seasons. Uh, it is. I mean, it's it's a very special show in the past. I've stopped my rewatches after season four or kind of like at season three and a half or like the middle of season four. Um, after season four is when Aaron Sorkin leaves the show. The show is very different. The style is very different in seasons five through seven. The visual style specifically is very different in season six. No spoilers for what happens in season six. Um, but in past rewatches, I have stopped and not even watched them. But this time around, like I was committed to watching it through one. I already know what happens. I've seen the show multiple times. But watching it this time is it's a very different experience. Like when the show was on, it was in, in on for the first six years of the George W. Bush administration. So it was seen as like this liberal fantasy. That was the opposite of what was happening in real life, D.C. And watching it now, I feel the same, but I feel like this nostalgia for a government we never had. Like I have that's what's very strange about it, about watching the show now. Um, About like just people that can disagree and can still get on with their day and that the news media is act like actually reports on news and not crazy rumor and innuendo and candidates that can actually have a conversation with one another. It's a very strange Washington that the show represents. Um, can you, can you imagine what Sorkin would have done with having to get news from TikTok about coronavirus? I don't think, I don't think he would have known what to do with, um, with Kellyanne Conway. I honestly don't. I think like it's good that he doesn't have to write that right now. Cause I don't think he could have created that, that kind of a character for the I West know, I know we do Sorkin every week. It's, <laughs> it's basically a Sorkin podcast. Do you think Kellyanne Conway would have gone into the West Wing or the newsroom? Which do you think if he had had that piece and he could have played with it, which direction do you think he would have gone with it? Uh, the newsroom. Yeah, I think so too. Like Kellyanne Conway is not a, a God, I hope she was. I mean, she is not an advisor type. She's a put me in front of the camera type. So I think like there could have been in season four of the newsroom, some kind of uh, antagonistic news network that's like trying to run coverage opposite ACN. That was their network, right? I'm not not sure. ACN. Um, Doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But like, so here's now that I'm nearing the end of the series. One thing that I am struck, one thing that like I really wish the show had more of. And I think this is both a product. This is this is like a product of me getting older and also like my change in political ideology. There's not enough hugging on the West Wing. Like there's so much emotional and important and big stuff that happens every episode. I need a hug. Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. Like, how are you like, there's so many scenes where having not watched some in season seven, right? Having not watched season seven in ye- in many years, I know the big pieces. I know what's going to happen at the end of each episode. I know how we're going to get to the next one, but there are still moments, the moment to moment stuff. Obviously I don't have memorized or anything like that. And I'm just like, wow, that was some really important, deep stuff that happened. You like, let's hug it out. Like we need a hug right now. I think that speaks more to my like my personal sensibilities uh, as I have gotten older. But man, that show needed some more hugs. That's all I'm saying. I think it's hard to believe that any show that has Rob Lowe on it doesn't have hugs. See, that's the thing. Seasons one through three and a half, very little hugging when Rob Lowe was there. It's weird. Wasn't until much later. What have you been up to since in the past? Uh, the last time we did one of these was... 10 episodes ago. So that was a couple months ago. As always, I've been playing Fortnite. 
I've been reading a horribly depressing book about school shootings. Oh, that's, that's I, wonderful. It's, it's very uplifting. Um, I've been working on putting together pieces of a new project that we're not talking about yet. Um, but those are coming together nicely. I think that's it. I've been watching and failing miserably at fantasy football. <laughs> I'm on a six game losing streak, so that's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've done other things, but it just doesn't feel like I've done other things. Yes, you have your hand raised. And talk about your thrifting adventures. That's what you do every weekend for the last four weekends. Oh, yeah. We have been adventuring out and discovering that there are some really cool, like, antique malls just outside of Knoxville. And so that has been fun. We've been repurposing items to make it seem like inside is less depressing than outside. Very smart. Very smart. I have in this room that I'm in right now, in my head, lots of plans for all this stuff that's going to change. And like all the the ways in which where I am, it's not just where I record our podcast, but it's also where I sit and work every day. So like I want it. The space itself is good. I have set it up early in the year to obviously accomplish both of these things, both me working from home as well as us doing this podcast. but it needs, it needs actual organization in here. Like this room, it was me forcing my way in to make a space and to put a computer and a screen down. Uh, but it's not, you know, it, it needs a little bit more, more to that. So that's very important. Yeah. I think that we've all reached a point where like we all set up these like temporary areas and we were like, okay, this is the temporary place that I'm going to be until everything goes back to normal. And then 30 weeks in, we're like, this is the fucking normal. Uh-huh. I might want to buy a goddamn house plant. So like, I think we're all kind of adapting to adapting to that a little bit. For sure. I think we'll do, uh, once we get later in the year, we'll, we'll figure out what like a year in review looks like, not just for the podcast, but we can talk about kind of our overall reflections of the year and what what we thought 2020 was going to be like and oh, how wrong we were. Yeah, this definitely isn't it. No, that's for sure. Um, All right, let us transition now into the elephant and donkey in the room. And that is this election that's in two days. Uh, You're making a face already. I have some interesting. I'll save this for a second. What's what's your how are you feeling right now? What's your mood right now? It's Saturday night, Saturday night before the election. What's your mood? I mean, I voted. I feel that's good. Excited to have contributed considering what a process it was to be able to do that. Um, as I've ranted about previously, mostly on Twitch streams, I think it took requesting my ballot three times to actually receive my ballot. Um, I never received a ballot for the election. Pre- the primary, Super- I think, right? Pre- Pre-Super Bowl, yeah, the primary. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word primary. Um, <laughs> Pre-Super Bowl is pretty good, though. Yeah, like the kickoff party. Um, I never received a ballot for that, so I was like, great, I'm just not going to get to vote. Like, I had started, like, trying to figure out, like, is I going to rent a car and drive back <laughs> to Brooklyn? Like, what's the plan here? Yeah. But it did finally show up, so I did vote. Um, so that's something I feel like I've done what I can do. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to gauge what I think it's going to be like, because I'm in a place that I'm completely surrounded by Trump signs. So I have a hard time knowing what it's going to be like in other places in the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have both of our producers, uh, Rylan and Lucy joining us today. Um, who both previously joined us for our big pre-election special. So I thought it was good to bring them back on here. Uh, if, if you're interested and wouldn't mind sharing what your moods are right now, again, just a couple days out of the election. Well, I'm pretty achy, and I can explain how that's relevant to the voting situation. 
I went on Thursday, so a few days ago. It was the last day of early voting in Tennessee. And I had previously wanted to go a day early, so I beat those crowds, but it rained and I was lazy. So I went around like 1 p.m. on Thursday and then waited in line for about an hour, a little longer, very hot, like 80 degrees, um, but was very excited to vote. So it was actually my first presidential election that I was able to vote in just because I missed it like by like six months the last time. Um, So it was really exciting, but I think something that's a shared sentiment among a lot of people that are just not in the Trump camp is there's a sense of cautious hesitation because of how unexpected the 2016 election is. Like even when I see polls, sometimes even like the NPR news reporters will be like, well, if we adjust for how wrong we were in 2016, (laughs) this is the actual poll. So I think that there's some element to like wanting to feel confident that people are voting for human rights, but then also being worried that things are so, you know, flawed in our system and how Trump's excuse everything. There's just like so many things that could go wrong that I'm just kind of, I think, holding my breath like a lot of other people right now. Yeah, I, um, I basically just feel anxious. <laughs> like that is about it. Anytime that yeah. I think about the election, it just immediately makes me anxious. And part of it is I was having a conversation the other day about how I remember where I was when Obama had won his re-election because that was the first um, election that I voted in. And then I remember when Trump had won. And that night is so vivid in my mind because I was, I felt so physically sick when he had won. And at that point, like there wasn't, a lot from, I didn't have many expectations of what was going to happen with him as president, but I knew it was not going to be good. And that was basically it. So this time around, it's more of, I want to hope for the best, but also I don't want to be stuck in that headspace only to then be disappointed if things turn out in a different way, whether or not that's what I want. So it's really just trying to not have any expectations going into it and hoping that a lot of other people, which I think a, a lot of people are doing, is trying to actually vote. Like the amount of people that I've seen posting on socials, specifically Twitter, but on Facebook as well, for people who are saying it's the first time that they've ever voted because they realize mm-hmm. now their voice really matters is massive. So that gives me a little glimmer of hope. Um, but overall, it's very, it's very nerve wracking and like watching the polls or watching any sort of news that talks about it is also interesting because like Ryland said, it's, it's very difficult for people to kind of guess what the polls are like, because every time you turn it on, they are trying to compare it to what the last election is like. And it's just, the expectations are so all over the place. So it's been, it's been a time that's for sure. So I, I actually have some really interesting numbers about, uh, current voting. Um, my feelings about my feeling is also cautious optimism. Um, it's hard to believe that it's only been four years and that it's already been four years. You talked about how the, the visceral feeling on November 8th, 2016, which I, completely relate to but i also can't believe that was four years ago like it seems like it was just yesterday but at the same time it also seems like it's been a hundred years and we're like trying to we're trying to move this giant iceberg of a system in into maybe the right direction i uh i went and voted on wednesday new york state is early voting um tomorrow sunday actually is the last day and it started last saturday and the lines in New York in some in some state places around the state were multiple hours long. Um, AOC. Uh, well, first of all, wait, I just want to say AOC is just she's hilarious. She just needs to. People, I don't think people appreciate how funny she is. Uh, she was giving some interview and somebody asked her if they could call her AOC. And she said, you can call me AOC. Mike Pence, Mike Pence can't call me AOC. I just thought that was hilarious. Anyway, 
but she was giving some interview that said like in New York City, in some precincts, that uh, was like four hours to vote. And if four hours is never acceptable. And if like that had been, if that had been, a, New York was a swing state, that all that, that would be all anyone was talking about was these four hour, four plus hour long lines to vote. Um, here where I live in the suburbs, uh, there, my the place closest to me on Wednesday afternoon had a two plus hour wait. Um, I went like a little bit farther away and was in and out in 45 minutes. So still had to be outside, waiting outside. Thankfully, it wasn't too hot or cold or rainy or anything, which it had been previously. And, and obviously, um, uh, in other times, it's been really rainy here, which is always one of those things that always suppresses uh, in-person voter turnout. But the process went really smooth. And I also want to like, I want to recognize how in New York, uh, which I don't think anyone has any, I don't think anyone thinks New York isn't going to vote for Biden in, in the, in the election was the election. The, my voting process was incredibly secure. So I walked up to a table. I had to give my name where there were two people, two polling officials. One looked me up uh, and checked me in. And I had to like sign my name on a screen. And then the other person that was sitting next to this woman confirmed that I was who I said I was. And then they printed out a ballot. And then I went and filled it out. And then like they had the big Scantron things and they scanned them in. But it was just like this incredibly secure process that if more people act like the people who are going to rail about voter fraud have no idea what they're talking about. Like this is the most secure thing that I've had to do short of being in an airport um, to cast my vote, which is both good and bad. Like people should just be safe when they're going to vote. But it was, I was really taken aback by that. Obviously, I, and, and I never felt there was never, um, you know, there weren't people like harassing people online to vote or anything like that. Uh, everybody there was super friendly. Uh, but still, I was just kind of taken aback by this super secure process. I'm also going to interrupt you because something that um, Josh slash Hamcat uh, pointed out the other day was that also in New, was it in New York, Paul Rudd was walking through and handing out cookies to people online. In Brooklyn, yeah. Paul Rudd's just being Paul Rudd. He's he's fantastic. Okay. Um, yes. It's definitely easier to get a driver's license than vote sometimes. Like, I have literally gone to Southeast Kansas, having lost my ID, having lost any proof that I am who I am. And succeeded in getting a driver's license, which would allow me to vote. And it took more work to actually vote in New York to prove that I am who I am than to get the driver's license. Like, it's it's crazy to me. I think you also have to, like, account for the people, though, that have to both get a driver's license or some form of identification and register to vote. Because that could be two different barriers that you have mm -hmm. to face. So even if one is easy, like the amount of documentation that you have to bring or like having to actually go for the test and like those barriers and just the bureaucratic barriers that go with like one government organization like the yeah. DMV. And so even like ID requirements are so tough. Like, when you were registering, they gave you shit because the the bill that you brought with you was not in the envelope. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, they said wow. I had gotten uh, like one of my bank statements confirming that I had changed my billing address. And she said, unless you have the envelope that has the USPS forwarding stamp on it, I can't believe you. And then I showed her my apartment contract and she was like, you don't have this one page in it. I can't take that. And so I didn't even get the federal ID type like that approval because of that. And I was prepared and had studied ahead and brought an extra form of documentation. and so. Just as someone that had the time to go out to the yeah. DMV in a work day, like I have a lot of privilege in the amount of time and energy and like money I was able to invest in getting this done and getting to vote was not easy for me. So account for somebody that works 80 hours a week and has three kids, like good luck. Like there's so many barriers. Yeah, it just it comes down to the fact that all of this voter fraud shit that's going around, it's just it's fear mongering, just like everything else that has been done in this presidency. I remain cautiously optimistic, and here's why. Uh, there's an article on CNN right now. This is updated 
I'm going to refresh it right now. As of three o'clock this afternoon, so a few hours ago. More than 90 million votes have already been cast from in-person and early voting around the country. That number is already almost half of, no, I take it back. It's more than half. It's 66% of everybody that voted in 2016, period. There are some states, namely Texas, one of the biggest, more votes have been cast early in Texas this year than were cast in all of 2016 in the general election. Hawaii is another state. I don't think as many people live in Hawaii as live in Texas, but that's still not nothing. And there are other states that are seeing huge turnout at this early stage. And that, that is, that I think is what is the most impressive. And especially in states like Texas, where there is like legitimate voter suppression in place in the form of removing polling stations. Um, there is something I saw earlier today about somebody wants to throw out uh, 100,000 ballots at some location in Texas, uh, some like drive, like a drop off early voting thing. There are legitimate voter suppression things happening in Texas, and yet still more people have voted early than voted in all of 2016. Um, and there are, uh, there are a lot of states that have seen that. I bet, I think early on, when it became clear that the coronavirus pandemic was going to impact, was going to impact the election, the first thought from everybody was, "Oh, get your absentee ballot and mail it in." And then. For some reason, the U.S. Postal Service has become like a tool of uh, of civil unrest and of of uh, voter suppression um, because we're going to remove sorting locations. Like, how do you how 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 I don't understand. Like, it's the mail. Why? Are, I, OK, sorry. Let me get I'm going to. Just to interrupt you for a second, yes. when you were asking about, or you weren't necessarily asking, you were just saying uh, population size between Texas and Hawaii, vastly different. Texas is 29 million and Hawaii is just under 1.5 million. So, so there's a little bit of a difference there in the populations a, and certainly in, in the percentage of those people that can vote. But still, more people in Hawaii have already voted than voted in all of 2016 elections. So I'll take that for what it's worth. Um, right. So anyway, the the first the first move was everyone's just going to request an absentee ballot and mail it in. And then over the past couple of months, these like attack on the U.S. Postal Service, which again I don't understand, uh, has called so much of that into question. And it's caused a lot of people to doubt the security and validity of that ballot, of actually like getting to the right place and being counted. And that's like, there's never any, there's, there should never be any reason for that. There should never be any reason to worry that your vote's not going to be counted. I and think, I think something, sorry, go ahead. I, I, what I was going to say was just to finish that thought, I think that's why we have seen so much of this turnout is that people, I think people did their due diligence and requested their ballot early. Some people probably mailed it in right away if they're like really on top of things. But my guess is that people waited. You know, like there's a lot of undecided voters, people that don't like Trump or Biden or have just been like waiting to see what happens. And rather than continuing to do that, now when presented the opportunity to go and vote early, people are turning out in droves. I think that's great. I think something that was extremely interesting to watch is like how people adjusted to that too. Like I, I do think that there was a lot of really responsible decision-making being made. Like something that I clearly remember is like Amazon did their, like their prime day. And I saw a lot of conversation online about like, don't order Amazon prime this year if you don't really need it because the postal service is already struggling to get these ballots in on time and, like they're supposed to. And if you order a hundred million packages, like that's just going to fuck up the system even more. So like maybe wait until Thanksgiving, which I thought was really cool to see. I also think it's been cool to 
watch the voter turnout because my biggest complaint about the last election was that like roughly 50% of our country voted because everybody took the approach of like, what's the worst that one man can do. And here we are, this is what one man can do. And I think that people have figured out that, yeah, it is important to have your vote that like, the electoral vote is not going to be able to overthrow the popular vote if the popular vote has 25 million extra votes. Like, that's when we start lighting shit on fire. Like, I think that it, it's important to be able to say, we all voted in droves. There are 25 million of us that voted that we didn't want this. You did it anyway. We will now make sure that our voice is heard. More people didn't vote in the 2016 election than did more eligible voters. I don't know if that I don't know if that was a number of eligible voters or registered voters, but either way, more people stayed home than voted in 2016. And that's been a huge that's been that's just been a huge. um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think we're seeing the result of that, of, of people aren't staying home. If 2020 has taught us anything in this world where we need to be staying home, people aren't staying home. I also think the people who are staying home that are submitting absentee ballots, the, even that is something that's interesting to see because absentee ballots are, have been an option and not just for this election, but like to see the amount of people that I follow who have been like, I submitted it. I want to know whether or not it's received, whether or not it's going to be counted. I've never mm-hmm. seen that happen before. When I submitted mine, it was the first thing I did a week later was to see if it was received or not. And seeing other people realize, like, I want to make sure that my, my vote is counted, that it's not because I can't go there in person or because I'm choosing to do this instead. It's really, I don't want to say interesting, but it is interesting to see how many people are choosing to do that instead and also trying to to emphasize that. And also on social media, especially within the last couple of days, you have people who are saying, if you have filled out your ballot, but you haven't mailed it yet, drop it off at this location instead, because that's more important. That's going to make sure that your vote gets counted. So it does depend obviously where you are, but I, it's, it's completely different now, the way that people are going about this. And it's, almost eye-opening to see the reactions and the way that people are approaching it, realizing that it's going to have some sort of effect. Well, I definitely think based on all of that, this might be the election that, that changes the electoral versus the popular vote. Like, I think it is going to give the popular vote a more significant conversation weight, at least, which will be nice. Um, Because I think in the past, like the way to diffuse the popular vote has always been, you know, look, this person won the popular vote and then they can be like, yeah, but look, this many people didn't show up. So I think that it could prevent that rebuttal, which is nice. I have a thought. I just need some data to support my thought. Well, while you look for your data, I'll fill in my blank here. Um, some positives um, from polls that have been over the last couple of days. And I know that the polls burned us last time. And I will confess that this is literally the first time I've looked at the polls this entire election because I didn't want to cry. <laughs> um, but Florida is currently, well, currently, the, this, the polls came in, in Florida on the 28th. It's 48.7% Biden to 46.8% Trump. Pennsylvania, Biden currently leads 50.9% to 45.1%. Michigan, Biden is up 51.4% to 43%. And that one came in on the 29th. North Carolina, Biden leads 49.2 to 47.1%. Arizona, Biden is up 48.8 to 45.4. This is a really big one. I'm really excited about this one, and I don't want to get my hopes up too much. But Wisconsin, Biden is leading 51.5% to 43.7%. And that is a huge one. And then Iowa, 
Biden is leading 47.8% to 46.8%. And the only swing state that Trump really has control of right now is he's leading Ohio 48.2% to 46.1%. Did you say Texas? No, because Because the numbers, nobody really knows what the hell is going on in Texas. Yeah, I was watching something on the news might have been yesterday, I think it was last night, about Texas and how it's so tight right now yeah. from from how they see it that it's been, I believe they said it's been like since the 70s was the last time that they had nominated a Democratic um, nominee. And so like this is going, obviously going to be a big thing, but that yeah. it was extremely tight. It's a big deal in Texas. Biden actually got chased out of Texas today. I don't know if it was Biden, but Biden's team got chased out of Texas today by a bunch of crazy Trump fans outside of Austin. He, he, uh, I did see that. Here is the, the data I have now to support my thought. Um, in the 2016 election, 136 million people voted. Only 128 million of those votes were for Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. So there were 8 million votes cast for president that did not go to one of the two candidates. Um, so like that, and then the difference between the two is about 3 million, Hillary Clinton, about 3 million more, 2.9 million more than president Trump. In this election, I, I would certainly hope that there is a higher, that people vote for the president, not that they didn't vote for president, they just didn't vote for either Trump or Clinton. Uh, I know that Joe, Jojo and Spike have their supporters and I can't say their names with a straight face, I'm sorry. Not in 2020, sorry. Uh, and there are, there's, always, there's always other candidates on the ballot. There were others when I went the other day whose names I can't remember. I just hope that is I hope that there, there's more people that choose to vote. Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to hope they vote for Joe Biden, but that vote for the press for like the two main candidates for president. Yeah. Um, the other part about that is I would also expect who knows what's going to happen in, in the electoral college, but I would expect a much, much wider gap in the popular vote this year. I think that there are people in um, probably safe states in both directions, safe red states, safe blue states that have felt that they need to get out and vote this year more than ever. So I would expect, um, I would expect the popular vote to be, um, there'd be more of a gap this year. I hope that the winner of the, elect- of the electoral vote is also the winner of the popular vote. And again, to reinforce, I sincerely hope that that's Joe Biden. But I would expect I would expect a much bigger turnout this year. And like these are the things this is this is the things that I remain hopeful about, because, again, there was a stat the other day that was like at this point in the calendar, Joe Biden is up about by the same amount of points in some poll that Hillary Clinton was up in against Donald Trump four years ago. It's like, don't tell me that. I also like that's just irresponsible. In my opinion, of like the people that are going to be complacent uh, and not go out and not vote. Um, Again, I think so much has happened in the past four years. So much has happened in the past eight months. Uh, I don't see a lot of complacency out there. And so I sincerely hope that that's that's the case everywhere. I will say as far as some of those polls go, comparing it to Hillary, um, I was looking at I, it's not like I've been very invested in it. I've been kind of the same way as Josh, just trying to not look at them. But I was watching the news last weekend where they were starting to go over some of it. Um, and they did compare some of the ones from this year to Hillary. And while they have said in a couple of places they have been the same, they've also said that in a couple of places, Biden is leading a lot more, even if by 10 to 15% more in some of the polls than in the last one. So it, I feel like it's just so mixed right now. It was also even earlier out before so many people had the chance to vote. So very up in the air. The, the thing that I am really interested in is 
reporting on all the it's like a thorough reporting on who voted in what way like how many people showed up on november 3rd to vote how many people showed up early in the week leading up sometimes two weeks some states were were set started a couple like even two weeks ago what's the what was how many people voted early and how many people voted absentee like those are numbers that we'll have for a while you know absentee absentee slash mail-in balance have to be postmarked by, I think, November 10th. I think, well, I think it varies state to state, but I think a lot of them, it's a week out. Uh, and so like that kind of, a, that kind of reporting, we won't know for a while, but I'm really interested in that, in, in all the ways that 2020 has changed everything, in how it has affected the election, specifically the turnout. We'll know, we'll know the numbers, just the raw numbers of people, but the ways in which people chose to vote will be really interesting to me. Um, all right. Uh, I have a, I have an off ramp for this conversation and out of the episode. Um, but does anybody have any other thoughts that they want to share? I mean, I think to piggyback on what you said, I think the thing that I'm the most interested in seeing is the age demographics. Oh yeah, that too. I, it's the first election of my lifetime where my generation and the generation after mine outnumber the generations in front of me. So it's the first election where if my generation and the generation after mine all show up, all cast a ballot and send a big middle finger to all of the things that we've never wanted, that we just with numbers alone finally have control of our own future. And so I'm interested to see whether excitement for that takes over or apathy takes over because I think it is an important stat to know whether or not we show up. My generation hasn't always been good about it. You know, can't really judge Gen Z yet because for the most part, this is the first time Gen Z completely has been able to vote. So, but I will say that like millennials have done a really bad job of showing up and voting. So like, I'm hoping that we learned our lesson in the last election. Millennials have been blamed for a lot of things, namely like millennials don't go on vacation or aren't buying orange juice or aren't buying houses or getting married. Uh, Let's not, not go into the polls, be another one of those things. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, curmudgeons we're bad at the other things because we don't have any money because you bastards won't retire <laughs> hey i got married twice so i don't want to hear it i've done my i've done my fair share right, so I, that's fair. I drink orange juice see we're fine uh i don't know if orange juice is a thing i just assumed that like if the orange juice sa- if orange juice sales are flagging it's millennials fault that's just generally what happens that's true we're right, the worst. anyway this isn't a podcast about orange juice. It's a podcast. Wait, is it a podcast about orange juice? It should who, be. Who even knows? Uh, it is Saturday night. It is two, for us, three days until the election. It'll be two days from tomorrow when this episode goes out. Uh, we will be live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Joshcast on Tuesday night. So if you're hearing the dulcet tones of our voice, you can come and chat and hang out with us on Tuesday night. Starting around eight or so Eastern before the polls close. We'll be playing Fortnite because that's what we do usually on Tuesdays. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen as the results start to come in. We'll certainly be watching them and discussing them. Probably have like a, I'll have to figure out some kind of like breaking news ticker to have up on the screen while we're playing. Um, You know, so if you don't want to watch the news Tuesday, come hang out with us. We went very different directions there because I thought you were going to say I'm going to have to figure out an adult beverage. Oh, they'll be drinking. That's 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 where I went. I didn't go to a clicker or ticker. 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 There will be. OK, so to clarify, there will be both alcohol and news on Tuesday night. How much news we get. I don't know. I, I, that's that's the thing that I am that I have no idea about what's going to happen. Like we'll know, we'll know some things on Tuesday, but I, I have no expectation of that. We'll know everything on Tuesday. Here's one thing that I we have no can idea what's going to happen. 
we know that I will be very drunk. <laughs> Before or after we start streaming, because that's Probably what we are both. now pitching to the people. Probably that's fine. both. That's fine. Um, I mean, we go on at eight o'clock at night. Like there's a whole lot of day. There's a whole lot of day to drink is what I'm saying. You're not wrong. All right. That's where we're going to leave this conversation. Uh, Rylan and Lucy, thank you for joining us again to talk about election news. You have your hand up. Uh, Yes. The representative from New Jersey has the floor. (laughs) I have made three notes from this episode that I wanted to mention. Please, please. Um, The first being that Sean Connery movies, you're correct in that you cannot really stream them anywhere. However, some of them are available on the streaming app Pluto, which is a free app. I'm not familiar with it. I don't use it, but you can watch many of his movies on there. Um, Also, 1976 was the last time that Texas had voted blue for Jimmy Carter. That was a note for myself. And the other thing that I wanted to correct, unfortunately, Plato did not say shit rises to the top, although we wish he did. That's fair. I could have sworn that was in that book. Hands down, my favorite internet meme that has come back up in the last couple months is the Jimmy Carter meme where he's saying you motherfuckers made me sell my peanut farm. <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. It's hilarious. All right. Uh, thank you for the errors and corrections. I almost forgot about those, but those are important. Um, we maybe we'll do some kind of like election update. It depends like to, to sit and record one. I took a couple of, I wrote a couple of things that you guys were saying that would be interesting to see after the polls and after like numbers came in for things to kind of go back on. So I think even if it's not something that we can do next week, it could be something to do whenever the results are fully in to kind of see what the expectations were versus what the actual outcome was. In March, 2021, when they finally get all the votes. (laughs) Depending on turnout. Yeah. All right. Well, in the meantime, you can find us on Tuesday at twitch.tv slash untitled joshcast. And whatever we do, I have no idea what we're going to record next weekend. We'll see what the world is like next weekend and we'll kind of figure it out. I think that's our plan. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, both of which are at joshcastpod and over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitled joshcast. Once again, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitled joshcast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me and it is produced by Ryland James and Lucy Benetti. The podcast intro music is Gemini by Alki and our outro music that you're lightly hearing right now is Cautious by Emma Rosa. Both appear on the Untitled Josh cast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled Josh cast. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Ooh, I got to be cautious.